always laugh now, but like right after college, um, this woman asked me if I wanted to be a, a teacher at a Catholic school. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> and I was like, no way, that's crazy. I look just like a high school student. Why would I <laughs> be a teacher? <laughs> and, um, and then came up to DC and did this whole thing. And here I have a school now. Granted, I don't have a high school. And I don't know if I ever will, but um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of gone full circle, and uh, and I think it it truly was my calling because I mean over and over and over again I can point to events where I was teaching and it was very much you know some of my happiest memories was when I was teaching. I just never saw it as a career choice for me, and um, and now it's. You know, I kind of am a teacher, but I, I really just kind of make the whole thing happen, really. Welcome to Her Drive Podcast, a female-focused interview series with women of the world discussing their road trips to success. I'm your host, Cindy Cramblatt, a travel expert, business owner, and curious spirit with a knack for meeting fascinating women. Please join me as I hop in the passenger seat and chat with these ambitious women about what drives them, twists and turns, and those pedal-to-the-metal moments. Let's drive. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Her Drive Podcast. I am so excited to share my conversation with Melissa Rohan of Waterfront Academy with you all. A little background on how I know Melissa. About 10 years ago, I was an intern with a trucking association in Washington, D.C. that Melissa happened to work for. Uh, I would eventually work for that association when I graduated from the university, Um, and when I joined the association as an employee, Melissa had moved on to other ventures. And over the last several years, we kind of lost touch uh, until recently. And recently I discovered that Melissa has started her own academy in Washington, D.C. And this academy is very unique. Um, It's one of a kind in the United States in that it is Montessori, it is Spanish-English immersion, and it's faith-based in um, the Catholic faith. So I applaud Melissa. I'm excited to share her story. She left lobbying to run for office because she wanted to implement change in the district and did not win, but credits the fact that she lost um, the election for a position for the school board, credits that, and and a phone call with one woman for the the start of Waterfront Academy, which is doing quite well. And um, I will leave the rest to our interview. So please listen on to learn more about Melissa, about what a Montessori school is, her personal journey, and how she stays positive every single day. Wow. Well, I think that's amazing. And you know, Melissa, I started recording what you were saying and I I should have told you, but I didn't want to interrupt you because I mean, what you just said was so powerful and I feel like that's going to be a really good soundbite. So I hope you don't mind that I recorded you. Okay. Normally I'm like, Hey, let's get this started. Um, but that's, that's really beautiful. And what I think many times, well, I guess like many times I've, I've thought about this, but it was like verbalized to me not too long ago in our calling. And it's at least for me personally, 
the calling is not like a shout. No one's yelling it at you. It like comes in these little whisper forms. So I feel like the the woman who asked you if you wanted to be a teacher was probably like whispering your calling to you in a, in a form. Sure. No, absolutely. I just, you know, you just have to be ready to answer the calling when it, when it, when it comes to you. And if you're not prepared for it or you're not ready for it, then it's just not going to happen. And, you know, I have, made a, a lot of different career choices over the years and I don't regret any of them at all. I mean, you know, it's what moved me to Washington DC. It's what gave me everything that I need to know how to advocate for my school and for the children within my school and the families that are within my school and the teachers within my school and the whole community and it's also given me a way to do research and I I think I as somebody who's interested in education and somebody who loves research, I probably would have been able to do it anyways, but now I have all the resources so that I'm really great at researching uh, all the regulations that pertain to, to running a school. You know, it's funny because I remember um, in transportation, it is so heavily, heavily regulated and that's very, mm-hmm. very, very true. And I, I, I it still is. Um, but I, but I will say that in education, I work with so many different regulators every day, and I have to answer to all of them. And so it's just, it's a nice throwback to earlier parts of my life. Um, yeah. And I, I probably have a even greater appreciation for people who work in these different industries where, um, where they have to answer to a lot of different people that are overseeing their work. And how do you maintain like a sense of calm when you're dealing with all of the regulatory factors? Um, I will tell you, I'm not very good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, about a year ago, I, um, had a little bit of a scare and my blood pressure was completely off the charts and I wasn't necessarily doing any one thing terribly to, to, you know, put my heart in jeopardy, but, um, but it was a nice, you know, eye awakening moment for me where I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to make some changes so that I can continue to do the work that I'm doing. And so I've had to find ways to reduce my stress. And right off the bat, I changed my diet and I started sleeping more. I had no idea at the time, but my um, phone was tracking my sleep Mm. and my doctor grabbed my phone and she was like, look at this. You've been sleeping for an average of four hours a night for the last two years. So you can't operate that way. Mm -hmm. And um, I now try and sleep about eight hours a night. I usually get around seven and, um, and I started eating a lot better. So I have my blood pressure is fantastic right now. And, um, and now I'm doing a lot of working out that's helpful. Um, and I've learned to, um, be mindful and, um, and that way I can just reduce the amount of stress that's, um, on me and my, in it, you know, in the end on my heart. Um, but what I have found is that when I 
kind of take a moment, take a beat to reduce that stress, I'm actually making better de- decisions because they're more thoughtful and mindful decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps with my creativity. Mm-hmm. And um, as an entrepreneur, one of the things that you definitely are is a creative person. And so when you get bogged down with all that stress, it kind of limits the amount of creativity you can bring to your craft. So by taking those those different things, I'm able to reduce the amount of stress. And I'm finding that I'm a lot more creative um, in not only how to handle the day-to-day decisions, but like in the in the case of with the regulators, I'm able to kind of see things a little bit, you know, from a 500 feet up instead of like right at the ground level. And mm-hmm. so I can kind of make better decisions that way to meet the needs of the regulators as well as meet the needs of the school. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm so inspired by you and that statement. And I think that it's so true as far as like taking care of your health, your body, and it's, it, it creates a more well-rounded person. And I never thought about entrepreneurs as being creatives. Oh, but oh you're, sure. right. you're 100% right to think of a concept and then you have to be creative in coming up with that concept, but then you have to have the discipline and the, the resiliency to, to make this pro- this idea, this creative idea come into play and then see the entire thing through out all of the challenges that come along with creating something. I mean, you can even look at, you know, regardless of whether you're Elon Musk or, um, Bill Gates or, I mean, my goodness, um, mm-hmm. uh, Jobs, Steve Jobs is extremely creative. That's what he like kind of made his thing on as being a creative person. But I mean, if you take Elon Musk, I mean, you know, you'd have to be pretty creative to think, hey, let's go over to Mars, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you know, I, I mean, to take a dream that's just so far reaching like that. So, I mean, these are like the big entrepreneurs, right? But I mean, even for the, the the person that's opening up the fitness studio or the restaurant or the, I don't know, whatever, um, there's certainly a lot of creativity that goes into that. Yes, definitely. Wow. Well, I feel like we are really diving into like a lot of meat that I want to you know, share with listeners of this episode, but I kind of want to dial back and really start at the the beginning with you, Melissa, and um, kind of go through your own personal road trip to where you are now. And obviously the road trip of life is just going to continue. So can you kind of walk us through um, really your, where like the beginning of, (laughs) of your story begins as far as how you like to tell your story. Yeah. So, um, my mom came to the United States from Cuba. Um, she, you know, her family didn't come here with much, just with the clothes on their back. And so they had to work extremely hard. Um, my mom, um, and then she met my dad and, um, and they got married my dad, though, he is, um, he loves, he loves to read. He's, um, an avid reader. He's an entrepreneur. He's, um, started his own business and that's, you know, because of the business that he started, I had all the opportunities in life. Um, 
But one of the things when I was, you know, I was, the, I was the eldest, but one of the things that my dad had researched when they were trying to figure out what kind of school I was going to go to, my dad said to my mom, you know, we really need to put Melissa into a Montessori school. This is going to be the best way for her to learn. And, um, so they just felt so, um, passionately about that type of education that, um, my mom decided to go ahead and become a Montessori teacher. So my mom was a Montessori teacher and my first language was Spanish, but up until around five, I spoke mostly Spanish. And then after that, being in a predominantly English speaking area, of Florida. Um, I only spoke English after that really. Um, and so that's kind of where a lot of the inspiration came from for the school that I started Waterford Academy. And, um, and then fast forward and I had my own son and, you know, I, um, I was really nervous. Uh, around 2010, I was looking around and I was trying to figure out what school my son was going to go to. And um, it's it was a difficult choice. There's not a lot that I thought was really well was do, was happening really well. Uh, for example, for DC, it's in the bottom five school districts in the country. I mean, bottom five of a whole country. And I, in my head, I'm thinking, well, I know that my children are not competing with everybody in the District of Columbia. They're not even competing with everybody on the East Coast. They're not even competing with everybody in the United States. They're competing with children all around the world. And the United States, we're also not in the top 10 <laughs> as far mm. as education. <laughs> so I just felt that, you know, if I went the traditional route, my children would be at a strong disadvantage competitively on the global market. And, and I didn't want that. So that was one. Two, I believe passionately that us as a human race across the globe, we are not using our brains to its full capacity. I, I really do believe that. I think we're doing ourselves a huge disservice by not really tapping in to all these different parts of our brain that could be working for us so that we could be um, really doing some amazing, amazing things. And I believe with water, with, excuse me, with Montessori education, that's a step in the right direction for our youngest children so that they get onto that trajectory where they can be using most of their brain. I mean, there's a lot of things in the science. So, I mean, Dr. Montessori, she's, she, this is a hundred years old and they didn't have the science, you know, the technology to back up the science that she um, had put together in her pedagogy a hundred years ago. But now, so, Melissa, yeah. sorry for those who, those who are, not familiar with what Montessori school is. Yeah. Can you explain what what that is and how it developed? Sure. So Dr. Montessori um, was a scientist from Italy. She was actually the first female scientist to graduate with a doctorate. And um, 
she was interested her 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 calling in life was to understand human development and she started out from the embryo and she followed human development from there and so she had come up with um things that we could be doing to teach our children so that we can really take advantage of the way that the mind grows because it grows the fastest at that age, you know, under six. And, um, and so she had put together this methodology that could go to education systems so that they could help all children, not just certain set of children. In fact, her first children that she had worked with were children of the asylum and she was helping them, you know, to grace and courtesy. She was helping them with sensorial. She was helping them with all these different capacities. And what we find now is that she was helping, um, kind of spark those neurons in different parts of the brain, you know, so that it was activating all of them and they were speaking to each other. And then we had a lot of left brain, right brain crossover, which is really important. Um, so that's kind of the science that I'm trying to tap into, which now in the last 10 years over and over again is being proven absolutely spot on. And so I wanted to take that science into a school so I could help my children. Another bit of science that I've been following, and partly because I think it's important for children to have another language, especially that we are going to, if, if we're already at a global market, but we're certainly moving further into that global market, you need to have more than one language for so, so many reasons. And so... I wanted my children to have a second language, but the science behind it is so amazing because it, again, it goes back to that left brain, right brain crossover, but people who are speaking more than one language are having less cases of dementia and Alzheimer's. They're having mm -hmm. um, better ability at, in social environments. I mean, it is just the, the science behind it is just remarkable. So I was like taking you know, the Montessori piece of it for early childhood, then giving them a skill that's also going to help their brain for the rest of their life. And then the third piece is on the religious end, you know, I, I'm a religious person, I, you know, that is absolutely true. And, um, and I wanted that for my children. But if you take away your faith for one second, and you look at this in a purely scientific way, all the studies out there are showing that you can only you can only aspire to do great things if you believe in something greater than yourself. Mm. And one of the things that I've seen a lot of a lot of people in this space have kind of made a call for is new mythology. And I just don't know if we need to create anything new. We don't need to have new myths. I mean, we've got superheroes, but I, I mean, you know, like Superman or Batman or what, or what have you, Wonder Woman. But that's not really going to aspire anyone to do something that's bigger than themselves. I think we already have, I mean, we have, for me, Christianity, Catholicism, but 
I mean, really any religion and you're believing in something that's bigger than yourself. So you can aspire to something bigger. And when you can aspire to something bigger, you can do greater things. And so I think with those three pieces, and of course, in my case, I chose, you know, Montessori, I chose Catholicism, and I chose the Spanish language as the dual language piece of the school. Um, I think that if somebody else wanted to recreate this with a different religion or a different language, I think they could totally do that and Mm -hmm. still have the same outcome. But right now, my outcomes with my students are unbelievable. I mean, we're breaking, you know, the norms of our, of the school, of, of our peers. So I, I know that it's working and I'm really proud of that. The other thing that is kind of interesting that I, I think you might find interesting, we're actually the only school in the United States that's doing this. Um, there are no other schools in the United States that are Montessori dual language and have a religious affiliation. There are schools like this in other countries. It just doesn't happen to be any in the United States. I think that's amazing. And I'm glad that you're definitely proud of of what you've created. Um, When I first met you and the listeners, this is, I guess, their first time hearing it. The reason, the way that you and I know each other is I was an intern with an association that you were working for um, in Washington, D.C. I don't know. You said like maybe 10 years ago. I'm 28 now. So... I, yeah, it was probably 10 years ago mm-hmm. um, that you were a lobbyist. And then I, I don't know where you went after that, but you had um, your first child. His name's, I don't know if you want me to say yeah, his name. Yeah, so my Is first okay? child, uh, Henry, was born in 2008. And then in 2010, I had my second. But at that same time in 2010, um, I decided to go ahead and run for office because I was going to affect change. <laughs> oh, okay. Right? Within the district. Within the district. Of Columbia. Of Columbia. And I was like, I'm going to affect change. I'm going to run for school board. We're going to redo. We're gonna, We're not going to be in the bottom five, you know, and I, I was totally going to do that. And, <laughs> you know, I didn't win. And I, gosh, that was so heartbreaking, you know, but. Mm. But I'm glad I didn't win because if I won, I wouldn't have started the school, right? That just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Also, from so the what win, was met, the what was oh sorry. yeah oh go ahead go ahead no and from the win I met this guy who said to me why don't you start a school <laughs> so, oh my gosh no kidding yeah and so so I was like eh, okay you know sure I can do that and uh, and then. He said, well, if you do, I'll invest in your school um, a quarter million dollars. And I said, okay, well, now I got to take it seriously. And uh, and so I was going to start the school back in 2013. And then I had everything. I had a, I had the place. I had the teachers. I had students. I, had, I was ready to go. 11th hour. He pulls out with his money. <gasps> and so, no. <laughs> so losing, losing the election was hard. This was way harder because <laughs> I had to call those people and say, I'm so sorry. That was, oh my gosh, that was such a, that was a low point. And mm. about a month later, this woman calls me and says, so did you open up the school? And I said, no, no, I'm so sorry. I don't know if you heard the story. And she's like, oh, now I heard. <laughs> and I was mm. like, 
oh, uh, and she said, you know what you should do? You should open up on Saturdays at the community center because there's a lot of people who really want what you're offering. So I did. And, um, and with, with being able to do that, I was, I had proof of concept because we were really right. successful and I was able to so the community center. Were you, were you, um, were you just running like a, a program in the morning all day? How was this no, program? Just in the morning on Saturdays for two hours. Um, we did eight week section, eight week sessions. And we were trying to figure out what was the right formula. Should we do like a mommy and me class? Should we just do the children? Should we do two hours? Should we do an hour? Should we do an hour and a half? Is six weeks enough or is eight weeks? You know, it was, it was really nice because we were able to figure out that formula of what works for a Saturday class. And we still offer the Saturday class and it's been fantastic because it's a great way for parents to dip their toe into what we offer at Waterfront Academy because Again, we are the only school that does this. And so they get to learn a little bit about me. They get to learn a little bit about, you know, the school. They get to see how their children are progressing in the school. Um, so it's been, it's, it's been amazing. In fact, I have people right now who are like, when are you going to do the Saturday school? You know, it's a, <laughs> the, that's great. Yeah. When you have demand, you know, you have something that's worth yeah, value. Absolutely. <laughs> so we have a wait list that's greater than the amount of spots that we have, you know, so I could, and we've doubled every year. So we have had a hundred percent growth each year since our inception. Um, That's amazing. So you, so you started the Saturday, what year did you start the Saturday classes? We started, this was in 2013. It was also in 2013. We started, so we were supposed to open in September of 2013. We didn't. This woman calls me in October, the beginning of October. So our first class was the end of October. Wow. So how are you funding this just with your own, just my own money equity? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we did it with our own money. And then when it was such a success, we were able to get a bunch of investors. So instead of just having one investor, I went through a bunch of them so I could get a little bit of money and then split mm-hmm. the, the the risk. <laughs> That's very smart. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone pulls out, it is not going to fail the whole thing. So wow, that's that's amazing. So you opened up officially in t- for twenty fifteen, yes, twenty fourteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a really quick turnaround. I mean, of course, for me, it felt slow, but um, but no, it, it actually ended up happening pretty quickly. So, how did you, when uh, this man who pulled out the 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 initial funding, obviously you were probably very upset. How did you, you know, that's obviously like a major roadblock. How did you get around it, like emotionally, mentally, and get your your drive back? Um, you know, it's, that was really hard. Um, it wasn't until this woman called me that, um, I could put my energy, refocus my energy and I will forever be grateful for that phone call. Um, and I've told her this more than once, how I'm so grateful for that phone call. And she's like, well, so I really didn't do anything. Um, but it was, a, it meant a lot to me. And, um, and I wish I could say that it was something internal, but it was just that phone call that said, you know, we really do want this and we really do believe in you, you know, get back on your feet and 
you know, and do it. And, um, and then that's all I really needed. I needed somebody to say, do it. And I, you know, after that it was all me, but, um, yeah, I just, I needed to kind of get out of that funk. Most definitely. I think that goes to prove how important relationships are and to be encouraging. And when you see something that's of value to say it to that person, because you never know what type of internal struggle they may be having. Yeah. And I'm so glad that she, she rang you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it, for her, it was just like, Hey, let's get this going, you know? And she probably doesn't see how important it was for me to hear that phone call to, you know, receive that phone call, but it just, it was everything to me because I, I was like, yes, okay. That's a great idea. Cause when you're in that space, which I think is, goes back to what I was talking about where, and you need to work out and you need to relieve the stress because when you're so stressed out that you're only seeing things at ground level, you can't make decisions. You can't see the solutions. You can't be creative. You're just like putting your head down and trying to get through the day. But as soon as, you can like lift yourself up above it, then you can see you have a bigger perspective, right? And you can, okay, here's, I'm going to solve this problem. This is how I'm going to do it, you know, and then you can just go to work. But, um, but at that point I was so, I I was probably looking at things from below ground, honestly. (laughs) And like, you know, and you know, and you can't, you have no perspective from there, right? You, you can't make yeah. good decisions from that place. So you really need to be able to, to lift yourself up. And now I have that skill where I'm able to reduce the amount of stress when I do get these hits, because the reality of, of this is that like, you know, when I lost the, when I lost the campaign, that was hard, but you know what, what I'm doing now is way harder than that. And then when I, right. Cause there's an end to a campaign, right? right? The end goal is you're elected or you're not. And yeah. And then like when I, when that happened back in 2013 with the investor, I thought that was the hardest thing that I ever had to deal with, but it wasn't because I have other challenges that are ahead of me. And I know whatever I'm dealing with today, isn't going to be the hardest thing I ever have to do. And it's not going to be the saddest thing or the whatever. It's just going to propel me to the next challenge. Right. And you're going to have some really nice little wins in there and you should enjoy the wins when they happen. But, you know, if you stay stagnant and you just enjoy the win and you don't grow, well, you know what, you're going to be the next person's lunch because people are going to catch up with you. I mean, it's such a competitive, you know, you're always going to be competitive. And so you got to take the losses or the challenges or whatever it is, learn from it and then go to the, the next step, the higher step, the bigger challenge, the bigger, the bigger risk, the whatever that is, you know, that is so beautiful. I am so extremely grateful for, um, this, uh, this time with you. And I I feel so inspired by your energy and your story. And I, I love like the twists and turns of life and how, you know, little things, um, add up over time to, to create something as magical as, you know, Waterfront Academy and what you've created. So thank you so much for sharing your time with me. I'm completely honored. Thanks, Melissa. To learn more about Melissa and Waterfront Academy, please visit Facebook or waterfrontacademy.org. Thanks for listening to Her Drive with Cindy Cramblett. If you want to know more about today's guest, 
or know a fascinating woman you'd love for me to interview, please see the show notes, visit Instagram or her-drive.com. And please, 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 if you love the show, leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for riding along and subscribe to join our next woman and her drive to success.